Let's pray. Father, uh, tonight as we look at your word, we do ask God that, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. And God, I do pray that as we, as we go through this, that it would grip us. I think of those songs we just sang and, and uh, just worshiping you with that music and, and the lyrics. And I think of what we're gonna read tonight and how powerful this section of scripture is for, for our own strength and our own edification. So Lord, just give us those ears to hear. Let us settle down. And maybe we've had a rough week so far. Maybe we even had a stinky day and a tough day. I pray that we can lay all of that down and lay all of that aside and focus on what you have for us and God, what you're gonna show us tonight drawing us to you. So we do, God, we just give you this time. We thank you that we can gather together and be together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, as we continue here looking at Ephesians, we kind of left off from verse, three to, 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 uh, from verse three to chapter 14. From verse three to verse 14, remember it was that one long sentence and, and it was a sentence that was an explanation of everything that we have in Christ, which he kind of told us was everything. And now, here's the thing. Now Paul is going to pray for that church, and I believe for us, that we would understand that we really have everything, that we wouldn't just, listen, we wouldn't just relegate it to, I know that's what the Bible says, I memorize that verse, and I say that verse, but we would begin to flesh it out. And Paul's prayer, again, is for us to gain that understanding. And as I think about this, as we're, as we're looking at this tonight and the, what we're going through as, you know, as a world, I guess, but what we're going through, we need to understand greater than ever before who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. As we were worshiping tonight and as I've been studying and putting this together, I think it's very important for us to gather together. I think that's important, and here's the thing. I'm not sure you know that you missed it till you missed it, and then until you came back and experienced it again, and you went, oh, I really did miss that. Because here's the thing that we're gonna find out. We are the body of Christ. And just like our body doesn't like and go all over the place, well, some of us, but most of us it doesn't. We, we as a body of Christ need to understand that and hey, we do need to be together. We do need to meet together. And Paul's prayer is that we would gain the understanding of who individually, who we are in Christ, but even greater than that, corporately, what does that mean? So he has a, uh, you know, he's been, again, introducing. Now he has this kind of lengthy prayer for them that he prays for them. Before we get into that, I want to read a quote from John MacArthur. And, and uh, man, it's such an appropriate quote for what we're going through maybe and, and what uh, uh, Paul is talking about. He says, it is tragic that many believers become entangled in a quest for something more in the Christian life, for something special for something extra that the ordinary Christian life does not possess. They talk of getting more of Jesus, more of the Holy Spirit, 
more power, more blessing, a higher life, a deeper life, as if the resources of God were divinely doled out one at a time like so many pharmaceutical uh, prescriptions or were unlocked by some spiritual combination that only an initiated few can know. I think that's powerful because that's sometimes how we act. Paul is gonna tell us something. We have everything in Christ. And we need to begin people who we appropriate that in our lives. And we don't just believe it here, but we believe it as we walk, as we, as we do life, as we walk through things, as we come against difficult circumstances, hard circumstances, even sometimes impossible circumstance. We need to go, wait a minute. This is who I am in Christ because he saved me and I need to know that. So Paul here starts out in verse 15, verse 15, almost said chapter 15. Verse 15, he says, therefore, remember, we got to ask that, right? So he said this one long run on horrendous sentence in three through 14. And then he says, because that's true, listen what he's saying. Because three through 14 is absolutely true in your life, therefore, he says, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, this is another really long sentence that we're gonna break up, but I love the idea. Listen, first of all, here's what Paul says. He kind of gives us even sort of a clue of what the church or who the church really is. I love this. The church is those who who uh, have faith in Jesus Christ. We've exercised that faith. We've trusted him. And then, check this out. We love one another. And here's what I found out. It's hard to love long distance. It's good to come together. And he says, here's what I know. He says, when, I, I love this about that church. When I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for one another, it so moved me and inspired me that I never quit giving thanks for you. And I make mention of you in my prayers. Now, I for one, I think it would be pretty cool if Paul prayed for you, right? And that'd be a pretty cool thing. So we can read Ephesians and say, this is Paul's prayer, not just for the church at Ephesus, this is Paul's prayer for us. And it's for the church at large. And we could say even further than that, this is God's heart for us. This is what God desires for you and me that we would get to the place where we don't just believe intellectually, it's something to believe intellectually, but man, we're believing with our entire beings. It's becoming part of us. So here's what he says. He says, I make mention of you in my prayers, and then he starts this long kind of prayer, verse 17, that the God of our of our, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So listen as he starts here. First of all, he's saying something that I think is important. He wants us to know God. You know there's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God right? Like I know about a lot of people. I read the biography of Steve Jobs. I know about Steve Jobs, but I don't know Steve Jobs. 
And he surely doesn't know me. Well, he's kind of dead now, but... But you guys, listen, sometimes we, we read biographies or we do things and we think we know somebody. And a lot of you in the fellowship know about me, but you don't know me, and vice versa. And here's the sad thing, church. A lot of us know a whole bunch about God, but we don't know God. And we need to change that. We need to, we need to get that in our hearts. Warren Wiersbe put it this way. I I love this. Listen to what he says. To know him personally is salvation. To know him increasingly is sanctification. And then he says to know him perfectly is glorification. I like that. So my prayer is a lot of us are in the sanctification part, that we're growing in our knowledge of God and and that we're enjoying that and that we're, we're, we're people who we hunger and thirst after uh, the, the ability to know him and, and know him more and be drawn to him. I got a quote when I think about this, as Paul says, listen, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I got to quote J.I. Packer, knowing God, right? Some of you have read that. Some of you are not going to heaven. <laughs> you got to read that book to get to heaven. The first thing... God's going to ask you, did you read J.I. Packer's book about me? So listen, but listen, this is why I love this book. Listen to this quote. This is great. We are cruel to ourselves if we try and live in this world without knowing the God whose world it is. Don't you just love that? What a great quote that is. Oh, he gets, gets better. And whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it is disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know God. Isn't there so much truth and, and, and it's, isn't that so profound of what he's saying? And then disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction, no understanding of what surrounds you. This way, you can waste your life and lose your soul. Our aim in studying the Godhead must be to know God himself better. Our concern must be to enlarge our acquaintance, not simply with the doctrine of God's attributes, but with the living God whose attributes they, they are. Wow. I believe so many people right now are stumbling through life. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. Stumbling, fumbling, trying to figure it out because you know what? We're not, we're not spending our time knowing him. We're spending our time either on you know, the internet, trying to figure out, trying to watch things. We're either watching the news or we're watching things against the news. We're either listening to these people or we're listening to conspiracy theory. And, and we're like all over, and we're stumbling along and we're so messed up. And, and I ask people, what'd you read in your Bible today? Oh, well, I didn't have time to read my Bible. I was kind of busy, like, looking at all this other stuff. Oh. And we're stumbling through life. Why? Because we don't know him. Paul's prayer, I, I, just, I, I, I just love the sound of this. Listen, man, he wants God to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Listen, when he talks about revelation, revelation isn't something that, you know, because you, you, sometimes we hear that word and we think, woo, you know, and when the Holy Spirit comes and you get the, no, that's not what he's talking about. Every believer 
can have the revelation of God as we sit with him, as we sit before him, and we can begin to know him. I love that whole thought, man. Here's Paul's heart for the church at Ephesus and for the church at Calvary Chapel, Sierra Vista. Oh, by the way, did you notice we're now Calvary Chapel again, not Calvary Chape? I kind of like the Chape part, but the L came back. I don't know how many of you knew. Most of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but we lost our L for a while. I think somebody stole it. Why would you climb up on a building and steal an L? But anyway, so sorry, back to this. I think God's prayer for Calvary Chapel is that we would know him, that we would spend that time and that we would understand the heart of God is to draw us to himself. It gets better. Listen, not only, not only does he pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and we could just go on and on about that in the knowledge of him. Verse 16, the eyes of your understanding, or some of your translations may say that your heart's being enlightened, but I kind of like the idea of the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Is that good or what? And here's the question. Do you know that? Are you allowing God to move in your life in such a way that that stuff becomes a reality? As we were singing tonight, and you know, I, I mean, I love worship songs and I love to sing, but sometimes I, I, I kind of get lost in, do we really believe what we're singing? Is it really true? Or is it just like a good rhythm, a good beat, and we're kind of, or are we understanding we're worshiping a holy God and we're loving a holy God. Are we people who, listen man, I love this whole idea. Here's what Paul's prayer for them and for us is, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Again, that's not some mystical thing that you're gonna sit up on a mountaintop and hum or sing kumbaya and it's gonna happen here eyes of your understanding being enlightened is that you can be with him but listen it's not just enlightened for enlightenment listen enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling Woo. it's not his calling to ministry or something it's his calling to the body do you know the hope that you have in Christ once again the Bible hope in the Bible is not man I hope this happens but hope in the Bible means you know something's coming and you know your salvation. And God has called us to salvation. God has called us to heaven. God expects us to be there. I think God has more hope for some of us than we ourselves have. And he goes, man, do you understand that? And he wants his prayers that, that we become enlightened to that, that. And here's what happens, that it becomes a reality to us. And then you look at things in your life. And again, not to minimize life. I understand life happens. I understand it gets critical. I understand horrible things go on in our personal lives. But we're going to read in a minute. That doesn't compare to anything when you look at Jesus Christ. The hope of his calling, I love that. And, and then he gives us that whole idea of inheritance again, which are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Do you understand that we inherit things, but do you also understand that God inherits us? 
That's kind of, I, I think part of that is kind of scary. But how about, how about thinking this way? When you're kind of down in the dumps and you're feeling all sorry for yourself and you're wanting to have a pity party and you've invited everybody and nobody showed up and you got more pity going on and you're all bummed out. How about this? How about if you think about this? God wants to spend eternity with me. That's insane. God wants to spend eternity with me? Why would he do that? Why would God want to spend, you know, and you start meditating on that and you start realizing something. There's a whole lot more in you than even what you see. And you begin to look at the world a little bit different and you begin to walk through circumstances a little bit different. Here's what I love about knowing God and understanding God and drawing close to God. Here's what I love. My circumstances never change, but my walking through them does. Very rarely, I shouldn't say never, very rarely does God come in and intervene and fix everything. And you know, I think I've shared before, I went through some health issues way back and uh, I, I had four surgeries in 18 months and I was at my wits end and I was just like, you know, and I kept expecting God to change it and God says, I'm really trying to change you. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> and finally, when, here's what I think, finally when I began to say, okay, I wanna be changed, he went, okay, now we're done. You don't have to have that fifth surgery. But we need to understand, and listen, I'm not saying that's always the case, but we need to understand, man, when you start going through these things and, and now all of a sudden, man, you're enlightened because of the hope of your glory, which are the riches of his inheritance, and then even, here's the kicker, man, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now, we kind of sang about that tonight, didn't we, a little bit? We kind of sang about the power of God and, and how great God is. Do you believe that? Oh, I think sometimes they're nodding our head. Like you're all gonna nod, yeah, right now, duh. What about when things are crumbling? What about when life gives you something you never expected? Is he still all powerful? Hmm. That's when it matters. And I believe, listen, I believe Paul, remember who he's writing to, the church at Ephesus. And I think at this time, I think the church at Ephesus was doing okay. I don't know, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure they were going through any kind of deep persecution or anything. I think they're doing okay. But you gotta remember, man, the church of Ephesus was like inundated with the whole heathen culture and worship of false gods and even greater than that, materialism. It was the happening place. It was the place to be. And Paul's looking at these people and here's what he's wanting to do. Don't get caught up in all of that, but get caught up in God because all of that eventually disappears. And, and we know the stories, we've read the stories about you know millionaires, billionaires and things they had and then all of a sudden, they didn't have what they needed the most, and that was Jesus. And you and I need to understand, we have Jesus, and we have the power, we have his power, right? The exceeding greatness of his power towards us. All of God's power that created the entire universe is focused on you and I. Do you believe that? The same power 
that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? Is that true or not? You see, those are the kind of things we've got to come to grips with, and especially when life's not fun anymore, and it's difficult, and it's hard, and it's hurtful, and it's painful. We gotta understand, man, we have the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Now, here's where it gets great. According to the working of his mighty power, which... He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, here's what I like. That's it's kind of, you, now you know where the song came from? The Bible's not copying the song. The song copied the Bible, right? Just thought I'd clarify that. But you gotta think about that just for a moment. God demonstrated his love when Jesus died on the cross for us. He demonstrated his power when Jesus rose from the dead. And when we begin to understand the intensity of God's love for us in that cross, and then we translate that and we begin to understand the intensity of God's power to change us in the resurrection of Jesus, what could stop us Paul tells us in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Here he's saying we have all of that power. And you look at that, that exceedingly great power. Here's, here's the way I translate that. It took everything God had to raise Jesus from the dead. Yet we kind of sometimes flippantly look at it and, oh yeah, it's Easter Sunday. It took all of God's power to do that. And he says, now I want to exhibit that power in your life individually. I want you as a person to understand that's available to you. That's who you are in Christ. So that's good, it gets gooder, right? That's good. And then he says, listen, not only did he raise him from the dead, he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Wow, doesn't this kind of sound like what we were looking at Sunday or this weekend? Right at the right hand, what does that mean? That's the right hand is the power of God, but it's also the authority of God that Jesus is sitting in that right place, right beside God. And then remember what we said Sunday, my favorite part about that? If Jesus is sitting right next to God, he's able to whisper in God's ear, Pat didn't really mean that. (laughs) Satan's out front going, really? Did you see him driving to work today? Did you see what he did? And Jesus is going, he didn't mean it. Because he ever lives to make intercession, right? He's okay. Jesus is going, I died for him. I love him. Now he's saying, listen, he tells the Father, exhibit your exceeding great power in his right foot so he doesn't speed. Do you believe that's true? Not about my speeding. (laughs) Do you believe that's true? That Jesus is at his right hand and that all of that power, we talked about We talked about Sunday, what it took to create the entire universe and how big it is and all of that is available to you and I. 
All we have to do is bow our hearts and believe him. But too many of us don't listen. And I'm not trying to get all mystical. I don't, I don't want you to, you know, get, get out in the mystical area. I want you to understand you have power against sin to say no, to stand against it, to be strong against it. He's given you that. And, and so often, listen, man, we start caving and we go, I can't help it. Yes, you can. You're in Christ. So not only that, now here's where it gets the goodest. Well, it does towards the end too. But listen, man, he's at his right hand in heavenly places. Now check this out. Verse 21, we just sang it in this song, right? These songwriters. Listen, he says that power uh, that, that uh, he's seated with him in the right hand, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Here's what he's telling us. God has dominion or power over, check this out, everything, right? I love the way Paul puts this. He says, listen, man, his power is above all principalities, everything. Hey, I don't think demonology is as big as it used to be. Like in the late 80s, it got really big, right? This present darkness, Neil Peretti, or was that his name, Neil? Frank, Frank Peretti. Wrote the book, right? This present darkness, and Christians started reading it. And here's the thing, Christians started building their theology on fiction. Do not build your theology on fiction. You can read fiction, it's exciting. Hey, we read those, his first book as a family. It was exciting, it was good. But it was a story. It was fiction. And Christians are going, do you know what demons do? Well, Frank Peretti said on page 52, the blah, 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 and I'm going, that's Frank Peretti. That's not the Bible. God, listen, God is not struggling in this huge cosmic battle hoping to win. God won. It is finished. It is done. Few of our songs even say that, don't they? Why do we keep trying to fight a battle that's already been won? And here's what he tells us, man. He says, listen, man, he's above all principality. Now, I like to read it this way. So God, Jesus is far above He's at the right hand of the Father, far above all principalities, all power, all might, all dominion, and over every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So what does that tell you? He's over everything, right? Why do we get freaked out when things happen? Why do we get consumed with looking at something when we know the one who's over all of that? And when I read this, it doesn't leave room for anything. It doesn't leave room for a special person. It doesn't re leave room for a special disease. It doesn't leave room for something happening. He's over everything. And when I begin to believe my God is over everything, I can face those things even when they seem devastating to me personally. I can face them and I can say, wait a minute, my Bible says my God's over those things. So he's not locked in battle. I remember years ago when I was a new Christian, somebody gave me a tape of somebody teaching, and it was actually a teaching that was at Calvary Chapel Bible College. It was horrible. And then here's what the guy said to those students. God and Satan are locked in this combat, and so then when things go wrong in your life, that's when Satan is winning, and when things go right, that's when God is winning. That is heresy. God is not, listen, 
God and Satan fighting is like me and an ant. And me walking up to an ant, one arm wrestle? That I can beat you. Come on. And we just read it. Jesus has conquered all of that. Saints walk in that and begin to believe that and don't let your circumstances dictate life to you. I don't care, listen, I don't care what the government does. I don't care what happens with this whole COVID thing and all of that going on. Do not let all of that dictate your life. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ. And look at him. Because he's above everything. I read this and I go, and and check this out. And he's above everything that is named, not only in this age, but everything that's gonna come up. There's nothing that's gonna come up in the future that is gonna trump God. I'm not talking about the president. Two people smiled. I said Trump and people are going, stop it. There's nothing coming where God's gonna go, whoo! Listen, if we begin to believe that and we begin to walk in that, we don't have to walk in fear anymore, saints. When you walk in fear, you know what happens? Faith flees. You know what happens when you walk in faith? Fear flees. Let's walk in faith. And here's what faith is. Faith is not blind. Faith is trusting what the Bible says about God. And so the Bible says that. It gets even better. Listen. Like, it's like, wow. I want Paul to pray for me all the time. Remember, this is a prayer Paul has for his guys, right? They're in Ephesus. And verse 22. And he put all things under his feet. Do you hear that? Everything is under the feet of Jesus. Is that true? Yeah, we say, yeah, until our world crumbles, and then we go, well, not this. Everything is under his feet. Oh, but listen, everything is under his feet, which he gave him, or I'm sorry, under his feet, and he gave him to be the head of all things to the church. God gave Jesus to the church to be the head of the church, but be the head over everything, There's nothing that is, there's nothing over Jesus. Do you understand that? He is top, but he's the head of the church. Listen, sometimes people say, are you the head of the church? No. I like what someone said once. I'm just the interim pastor. The real pastor is going to show up someday. Now, you could take that a couple ways. Some of you are going, I've been praying. But listen, (laughs) You could take that like like that, but you could also take it this way. You know who our real pastor is? Jesus. He's coming. He's the head of the church. And I want to follow him just like you want to follow him. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be under him. But not only is he the head of the church, he says, hey, he's the head over all things, and he gave him to the church. Now listen carefully, which is his body. Stop there and look up. Don't keep reading. Which is his body. So here's the thing. We're the church. Do you know what we are? We're the body of Christ. What does that mean? The body doesn't go where the head doesn't go, right? Last I checked... My head shows up every place my body does or vice versa, right? If my body goes someplace, my head doesn't stay at home. Well, I'm going to rest, Pat. I'm tired. (laughs) Do you know what that means for us? We're his body. Does that get you excited? Us. 
We're his body, and he's the head, and there's nothing over him, and everything's under his feet. And man, listen, all we gotta do is what the head says. And once again, my body's pretty good at that. My head says something, my body generally does it, right? And it goes along. Oh, and then it gets even better. This is the best, right? Which is his body, let's read the rest of that. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you hear that? Do you believe it? Listen what it says. The body, the body of Christ. Check this out. The body of Christ is the fullness of him. Church, we are the fullness of Christ. When the church comes together and is the church, we are the fullness of everything that Jesus is. That's what's supposed to be happening. Listen, we're not about a club that meets on you know Thursday nights or Saturday nights or Sunday morning or whatever. We're not a club that just comes together. We're not even a group of people that we're just getting together to you know learn something and be educated. We're the fullness when we come together and we function as a body. Do you understand what happens? Here's what happens. Jesus is on earth at that time. Functioning, we're the fullness of him. And we need to come together, I believe, to do that. And we, be, we become what God intended us to become, his body. Wow. Here's what I'm thinking, man. Paul, whoo, yes. Who needs the rest of Ephesians? Like, who needs anything else? I mean, here's what I believe. I believe 3 through 14 is awesome. But I believe 15 through 22 or 23 is awesomer. Because that's God's prayer for us. Listen, if it's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians and God wrote it down and God recorded it, that's God's prayer for us. When as the church of Jesus Christ, the body, the fullness of him, when are we gonna start believing this and saying this is who we are? And again, I'm not saying about being arrogant. I'm not talking about being people who are, you know, quote, claiming things and doing things. Here's what I'm saying. Let's just believe what God says about us. And let's start living it. And let's quit believing the lie that the enemy tells us. I don't know if you guys have struggles with the devil. I don't know if you guys have struggles. I, I, I'm not sure my struggles are with the devil. They might just be my own head. And not Jesus. I'm not talking about Jesus being my head. I'm talking about my head head. And you begin to feel unworthy. And I think that's the devil telling us, really. You know, there are times where the devil says, really, really? You think you're a pastor? And then there's times where the devil says this, seriously? You think you're a Christian? And he begins to pound on me. And you know what, if I start believing him, I start getting down. And I start going down a path and I start thinking, here's what I start thinking. I gotta pull myself up. I gotta get it together. You're not ever gonna get it together. You're not ever gonna pull yourself up. When you hear that kind of stuff, you need to say number one, you need to say, Jesus, I think someone came to the door for you. And have him answer all of that garbage. And then number two, you need to say, you know what? I'm in Christ. 
I just read three through 14. I know who, I know what he's done for me. And now I just read a prayer and I know what God wants for me. I know his heart's desire for me is not to be that defeated, messed up life that I can look at in the mirror and see every day. But God has this idea of me that I'm part of something bigger than me and I'm part of something that comes together and brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ. If the church is not gonna come together and glorify him and exalt him, then listen carefully, that fullness that we talked about is never gonna be exhibited to the world out there. And God knows the world needs that exhibited to it right now. So church, when we don't function, the world doesn't have a chance. So my prayer for us is this prayer, 15 through 23. It's my prayer for the body here at Calvary. That's my prayer for my life. I like to read this once in a while and say, okay, I wanna do that. I want that real in my life. I don't want to just read it. I don't want to just even memorize it. I want to walk it. And I can't wait for the church to exhibit the power of God in this world, in the circumstances, in the chaos that's going on, no matter you know, what side, what we're looking at. Men, we need to be the power of God right now because we're the only ones that have any hope. Remember we read that? We have the hope of the calling. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I think about this passage. I think about this section. And Lord, I think it's pretty special. I think it would be good for all of us maybe to just reread that and when we're on our own to stop and think about what is written in those few verses. What is being said on behalf of us. And my prayer tonight is this wouldn't just be words on a page. This wouldn't be just something that we're looking at and going, okay. But my prayer tonight is for us as believers in Jesus Christ that we would in some ways, quote, receive this prayer for us. And as Paul, I think Paul is simply, all he's praying is that we would believe the word of God over the lies of the world. And I ask in Jesus' name for us here at Calvary Chapel that we would be men and women who raise up, believe our God, and glorify you with our lives individually, but I think greater with our lives collectively. Hey, we're not an organization that you join and become a, a partnership. We're an organism. We're the body of Jesus Christ. Raise us up, God, and let us bring you honor and glory, and let us exhibit to the world the glories of our God. And I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here tonight and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never been sincere about a relationship with him, maybe you've been one of those people, hey, I go to church, I'm okay. 
and, you, and, and, and somehow you convince yourself that coming to church is enough. Listen, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I think most of us know that. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you've never asked him to forgive your sins, if you've never asked him to come into your life and into your heart and guide you, tonight's the night to do that. If you want this stuff we read to be true in your life, you gotta call on his name. You gotta admit to him that you know you're a sinner. You gotta ask him to forgive you. You gotta let him know that you know you've offended a holy God. And when you do that, man, your life is going to look like what we just read. You're gonna be able to believe this. So if you wanna do that, you can say this prayer with me. If you're at home, if you're watching online, say this prayer. You don't have to be in this building to say it, but you say this prayer. If you're backslidden, come home, man. Come back to Jesus tonight. And even if you're online, man, and you're tuned in and you're feeling like, man, I should, I, should, uh, I should have been not at church here, but I should have been with the Lord for the last couple months, and, and you haven't been, and you're watching online and he's drawn you, say this prayer with us. You don't have to say it out loud. You can if you want to, but you say it in your heart and say it with sincerity. Jesus, tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. Right now, I want you to come into my heart and I want you to change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's the cry of your heart and you said that prayer, you meant it sincerely, I want you to lift your hand up, put your hand high in the air and, and we'll pray for you and celebrate with you. Anyone in here tonight, greatest decision you'll ever make. Father, I thank you that, Lord, we're in a room full of believers, and I do pray, God, I pray that we would go home tonight, maybe reread this passage, maybe, maybe meditate it on ourselves on a while, look at it, but most of all, I pray that we would ingest it into our souls, and God, we would know this is your heart for every single one of us, and this is your heart for our church. And that we would take on that responsibility and, and Lord, we would be men and women diligently, diligently following you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.